Hello everyone and Happy New Year's Eve from us here at Trinity Streetsville. Here at Trinity Church Streetsville, we want to share with you sermons that inspire and encourage you in your faith journey as together we are learning to love Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus. Today, in this special sermon, as we bring in the new year, we are going to be learning about Jesus' invitation to follow Him in a new way. And before we begin, we'd like to invite you to follow our podcast, check us out on social media, and please visit our website at trinitystreetsville.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. God bless. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8 beginning at verse 34. Then he called himself to the crowd, to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whomever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I don't know if you guys remember, but back on October 8th, I sent you this email. And, uh, oh, you don't remember it. Oh, you don't remember this email? Does anybody still check their email anymore these days? Uh, Yeah, well, just in case you were wondering, this email was actually one of the best emails I've ever created. It it had great pictures in it, it had great coloring, had lots of buttons you could click on, and uh, and the, the, the gist of this email was, well, well, here was the thing, right? We had been, you know, two years uh, since the pandemic here at Trinity. We had a whole bunch of new people coming uh, to church, and we said, you know what it's time to do? It's time for us to reach out to some of those new folks and talk about membership and talk about becoming an Anglican and joining uh, the Anglican church and the Anglican community. So we, we sent out this email, and I was so proud of it. I was so excited. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to, to hear from all of you, all of you all of you to hear about all your, you know, how excited you were to say, yes, I want to become a member, or yes, I, I want to be an Anglican. I hit send, and I sat there in front of the screen, and I just waited and dreamt about all the responses that were going to come in, and I sat there, and it took a little while. I kept hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. There, there is not, not much coming, not much coming, and, and the minutes turned into hours, me sitting in front of that screen. Hours dragged on into the evening. My wife called. She said, Rob, are you coming home for supper? I said, no, I'm doing something very important. I'm waiting for our church to respond to a very important email. And I waited and I waited. I rebooted my computer to see if that was the problem. I plugged and unplugged the internet to see if that was the problem. But you know know what I heard? You know what you guys said? Crickets. (laughs) Crickets. Now, that's not true. Two of you. God bless you. There's a special place for you in heaven. You responded to the email very, very, very keenly. But most of you, most of you did not. And so what did I do? I, well, I just kind of, I, I sank into a deep state of melancholy. And I went out into the night of Mississauga, walked down the streets, and stared up at the sky. And I wondered, what's my purpose? What's wrong? Why don't people like me? Why don't people like Trinity? And, uh, but it, amidst all those existential thoughts about my purpose, another question came to my mind. And, and the question was, what? what's going on? Why are people not interested 
in becoming members of Trinity or, or becoming Anglicans, right? Like this was a, a real question that I, uh, eventually I got hungry though and I had to go home and I did eat something and, and I came in the next day to work and we started talking about this as a staff. We're like, what's all that about? And uh, actually we came up with a few theories as to what was going on. The, the first theory was this, was that Anglicans are confusing. That's, that's about the first theory. And you think about it, right? We say all these things like, oh, you can come and join the church through baptism. If you've been baptized at another church, you don't need to get baptized again to join Trinity. You're already part of it. Or maybe you want to be confirmed to have the bishop lay hands on you and then join the Anglican communion through confirmation. Maybe that's something you want to do. Oh, have you been confirmed at another church? That's okay. You can be received by the bishop. And if you've been baptized and, and confirmed, you can be received or maybe you just want to reaffirm your faith. That's another thing you can do to join. Uh, there's, uh, you know, of course, the membership. Some churches have created like things like this is our membership covenant. This is our membership agreement. This is our statement of faith. Sign this and you can belong. Uh, who can come to communion? We say everybody can come and share in communion, but some churches are very clear. You have to kind of do this first before you can come to communion. This is another way that people kind of join the church. We even have an annual general meeting that we call a vestry. And at that meeting, uh, if you want to be a voting member of the meeting, you just have to have been coming to church for three months, given some money and sang some songs with us on a Sunday morning. It's just so confusing. Even as I was sending you guys the email, I'm like, what are we inviting people to do here? What, what is this all about? How are they? And so I think that's one of my theories is the reason that you you people, you, you just hit delete on that email was because you thought this is just way too, way too confusing. That's my first theory. My second theory, though, is not just that Anglicans are confusing, but that culture is uh, changing, right? There is, uh, you know, back in the day, things like I'm a Presbyterian or I'm an Anglican or I'm a Roman Catholic or whatever, those things actually seem to matter, right? People were proud and they really looked forward to joining a denomination. But these days, people don't care so much about brand loyalty anymore, right? And they don't care what brand their church is either. So for example, you remember you used to see people walking around with, with shirts that said this, I'd rather drive a Chevy than push a Ford. And then there'd be other group of people who would rock around with shirts like this. I'd rather push a Ford than drive a Chevy. It was like, I'm a Ford person. That's my brand. I'm a Chevy person. That's my brand. I'm Coke. Well, I'm Pepsi. Urgh. We hate each other, right? Or I'm, I'm Microsoft or I'm Apple, or I'm AirPods, and I'm Beats, or whatever. I'm VHS, I'm Betamax, right? There was like always this like, you know, people were very proud of their brands. They stuck by their brands, and the brands were very, very important. But that's just not the same anymore. There's like three studies that I read this past week, and they're saying, one study said 57% of Gen Z less loyal to brands now since the pandemic began. Mostly that's because of a shift in the economy. Second one said that 33% of everyone else are not loyal to brands anymore. That we'd, we're happy to shop around and get whatever, wherever. And then a third study said that 77% of Gen Z are now willing to try any brand, a new brand, what, whatever. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but I've seen this in my own house. Have you guys ever heard of dupes? You guys know what dupes are? No, you never heard. So dupes, a dupe is short for duplicate, 
okay? And a duplicate is a cheaper version of an expensive brand name product, uh, and it's increasingly popular among young shoppers, right? So they give you the experience of having this luxury product, but it, it's a fake. It's a knockoff. It's a fake. But people don't care anymore, right? So, for example, you can get dupes in uh, clothing. You can get dupes in accessories. You can get dupes in electronics. So you could go and spend $250 to get the real AirPods, but people don't really care so much about the brand name these days. As long as it looks the same and as long as it works, they'll spend $30 instead. In fact, these days, bragging rights go to the person who's got the best dupes. So if you spend $400 on custom Air Force Ones, you got fleeced, man. You could have got them for $50 and got deep dupes and nobody would know the difference. In fact, this Christmas, we gave my niece a sweater that she asked for for Christmas. And uh, my daughter walked over to me and she said, Dad, that sweater is $250. And I said, not even close. Not even close. It was a dupe. It was a fake, right? Uh, and, but the same is true, actually, when it comes to church loyalty. People are not loyal to a certain church or a certain denomination anymore. And this article says, good for them. So the whole, I'm Anglican, I'm Roman Catholic, I'm Methodist, I'm Brethren, I'm Presbyterian. It's not so much a thing anymore. Those boundaries are all evaporating. What people are looking for, it seems, is just some place where they can identify uh, that, that kind of fits them, where they have community, they can experience this life-giving. So here's a quick, quick, quick question. How many of you... Here today, I'm just curious, legitimately curious, grew up in, an ang- in the Anglican church. Just curious. Okay. How many of you did not know that you were actually sitting in an Anglican church this morning? <laughs> okay. It, I'm telling you, it happens. How many of you know what this is? Okay, right? Because if you're a die-in-the-wool, hard-core Anglican, you will know this is the 1959 Book of Common Prayer, right? So there are some, that, but I'm telling you, even Trinity even took the word Anglican out of our logo and out of our sign some years ago, and uh, I think it's because they said, you know what? People are not coming here for the brand. They're not coming here because I want to be an Anglican. They're coming here for something else. And um, I, I want to let you know, though, because in case the bishop's listening, yes, I think it is very important that we are part of the Anglican Church, being part of a bigger denomination. Uh, I actually, I really do, and I'm honest, I do appreciate the accountability, the structure. We're not on our own. We're not on our own. That's great. But for most of us, it just doesn't doesn't matter. And so people say that now we're living in this different world. It's a post-denominational world, uh, less concerned about those doctrinal differences and those doctrinal distinctives. What do Anglicans believe about premillennialism? Are Anglicans post-trib? Are they pre-trib? Are they mid-trib? Most of you are like, what is a trib, right? Exactly. That's my point. The emphasis is now on finding a spirituality not a religious label. And these days, people can find all that just actually online. You could listen to a great sermon from Atlanta, wonderful worship music from the UK, and be part of a Bible study based out of Australia. And you could do that all from the comfort of your own home all at the same time. So maybe that is why people like you, like you, are not into membership, being Anglicans, and so on and so forth. Because we're just disinterested in brands these days. So then that doesn't solve my problem, though. What do we do then? What do we do 
What do we do with all the new folks here? What does joining a church even, even mean? Who's in? Who's out? And does it matter? Ah, well, it was at this moment I had a flashback. I had a flashback to like three years ago when I was sitting in Tyndale University at a, one of my doctoral courses, and I was listening uh, to, trying to listen to the professor, Morar Murray Hayes. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I was getting very sleepy. I was kind of uh, staring out the window and I was kind of uh, getting, a, and, and, then, and then Professor Morar Murray Hayes said, I want to talk to you guys about social set theory. And I said, this is my cue to go to sleep. This is my cue to, to take a nap. Uh, but then at that moment, the Holy Spirit slapped me across the face and said, Rob, do not fall asleep at this moment because this is actually going to be really important. And so I stayed awake. And actually, it's true. It was really important. Here's what I learned that day when I nearly fell asleep. That there are actually a number of ways of understanding things like membership and who's included and who's not included. The first model of social set theory is what you might call a bounded set. A bounded set. So don't fall asleep right now. Some of you guys are falling asleep because this looks like totally boring. But Holy Spirit, slap you across the face and keep you awake this morning. Okay? A bounded set model says you know you're part of a group because you have clearly crossed some kind of boundary or some kind of rule that tells you you are part of the group. So a, a church might say, you are in because you're baptized. You are in because you're confirmed. Or you are in because you've taken our membership class and you've signed our doctrine of faith statement or whatever. Right? You've got these specific beliefs, these specific doctrines and practices. You are in. If you align, if you align with the group and you cross the line, then you're included. And if you don't align, then you are excluded. Now, churches that operate this way uh, really value the idea that you must conform to the norm. And as a result, often churches that operate on a bounded set are not very diverse. Uh, they don't ha have a lot of inclusion of, of outsiders. Maybe actually some of you have been part of churches like this before or other organizations where it was very clear who was in and who was out and what you had to do to get in and out. But... Professor Morar Murray Hayes said at about 4.30, there is another way to understand who's in and who's out in membership. And another um, uh, set theory is, is what they call the centered set, a centered set. Now, in this model, there is no um, hard line about who's in and who's out. Instead, what matters is the orientation, the orientation and the direction of movement of the various members of the group, right? So what it does is it says, are you pointed toward the center point? Okay, are you moving in the direction of the center point? Then you're part of the group, not because you crossed any line, there's no line to cross, but because you're oriented and you're moving in that direction. And so Professor Maura Murray Hayes got me thinking, how did Jesus understand membership? I mean, when Jesus created a community around himself, did he do it in a bounded set way? There's very clear lines about who's in and who's out. Or did he do it in a centered set way that people could be part of the group, even if they were all over the place and in different places and different distances from the middle? I think it's very safe to say that for Jesus, he followed the center set approach. 
Jesus emphasized a central focus. And for Jesus, that central focus was usually the kingdom of God. He said, uh, align yourself with the kingdom of God. Move in the direction of the kingdom of God. Move in this direction of love. Move in the direction of forgiveness. Move in the direction of peace. Move in in the direction of of faith. And that makes you part of Jesus' family, right? Not some external boundary or rule, but because you've turned. And now you were moving in his direction. That's why Jesus was able to welcome sinners and outcasts and those marginalized by the society because he didn't rigidly exclude individuals based on their status or their background or their past. Rather, he invited all to transform your orientation to transform the direction of your movement. So face a new direction, Jesus would say. Move in a new direction, Jesus would invite. Follow a new way. This model is beautiful because it actually assumes that everybody is somewhere in relation to Jesus. Now, I want to get this straight. Jesus also did speak about repentance, and he talked about faith, and he talked about obedience, right? There were times when Jesus did talk about these things, and that is important. But what mattered most was not your proximity to the middle, your proximity to Jesus. What mattered most was your orientation and your direction. After all, and we know this, you've probably even seen this in churches. You can have people who are very close to the center, but are actually, if you look at their life and what they're doing, they're actually moving and pointed in a very different direction. And on the other hand, you can have people who are far away from the center, but actually they are pointed toward Jesus and moving in his direction. So, 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 what does all this mean? This has got me thinking. What does this mean for our church? What does this mean for our church? Well, what does a centered set church look like? A centered set church knows that conformity to a set of beliefs or behaviors is less important than whether a person is moving towards Jesus. A centered set church, a Jesus-centered church, is more concerned about your heart, the direction of your affection, rather than your external behavior or location. Because center set churches realize that discipleship is a process. It's it's a process moving from where you are to where you are headed. And center set churches realize that people come to Jesus from all sorts of different places and all sorts of different directions. And this has really got me thinking now about some of those Bible verses that I knew off by heart, but now I seem to understand them in a whole different way. Like when that thief on the cross says to Jesus, says, hey, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, how is that possible? This thief, this brigand, how is he promised to be in Jesus's uh, paradisical uh, kingdom when he didn't get baptized and he didn't take uh, the membership class? Why? Because what happened in that moment was his heart reoriented toward Jesus. And that was all that was mattered. And now he belonged. Or once a Roman centurion, which is like a Roman soldier, right? Who was the enemy came to Jesus because his servant was sick and he wanted Jesus to heal the servant. And Jesus was so impressed with his faith that he says, I've never seen anybody in all Israel with faith like this. Well, how could that be? He didn't have the right religion. He didn't have the right background or pedigree, but now he belonged. Why? Because he had oriented his life toward this Jesus. Jesus was now at the center 
Uh, it's true that there were some disciples who were definitely very close to the middle, very close to Jesus. Uh, and, and there was the 12. And then even within the 12, there was the three. Peter, James, and John were said to be even closer to Jesus. But that didn't necessarily mean anything because Judas was also one of the ones who was very close to the center, yet he was clearly pointing and moving in a different direction. In fact, Jesus had lots of people around him. He had the three. He had the 12. He had crowds. We're told women followed him all over the place, that he was always... Uh, mixing with different communities of people. There was this constant intersection of people coming and going and coming nearer to the center and going further from the center. So I think in short, all this boils down for me is this, okay? Jesus' invitation was not to convert to a new religion or join a new denomination, but to follow him in a new way of life. Jesus walks along the seashore. He says, come, follow me. And so what do Simon and Andrew do? They point their hearts in a new direction. They move their feet one step even in that direction. And now they are included, right? Another time he saw this man called Levi. He is a tax collector. He's far from God. People detest tax collectors. Come, follow me, Jesus says. And he followed him. His heart has been oriented. He has begun a journey, and now he is included. Or how about our reading today? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Whenever the cross, just like in that picture, becomes the center point of your life, and you are oriented or pointed toward that cross, then you're included. It doesn't matter whether you're near or far. You're included, and salvation has come because of the direction and orientation of your life. So belonging to the Jesus movement was not about crossing a milestone or taking a course or signing an agreement. It was about walking in a certain, this is an important word, way. Word way is important. Listen, when Paul was hunting down Christians to persecute them, he didn't call them Christians. He said they were followers of the way. People who were moving in a certain way, in a certain Jesus-y direction. When Christians caused a riot in Ephesus, uh, they weren't called Christians. They were called the way because there was this thing that set them apart. And that was the direction and trajectory of, of their lives. Aquila and Priscilla described Jesus as the way of God. In Hebrews 10, the writer called Jesus a new and living way. And Paul, or Peter rather, refers to Christianity as the way of truth. So again, I want to say this again and pay attention. Jesus' invitation was not to convert to a new religion or join a new denomination, but it was to follow him in a new way of life. So that got me thinking about how we do things here at Trinity and especially when it comes to membership and being an Anglican and all that stuff. And Uh, I haven't got this quite right, but I want to end by just sharing, I think, here's where we're going to go from here when it comes to all that stuff. Instead of a bounded set here at Trinity, what if we acted as a Jesus-centered set? Instead of talking about doctrines and distinctives, what if we instead talked about desire and direction? Instead of encouraging people to become members, what if we encouraged and helped people become followers? And instead of pushing people across some line, what if we just pointed them in the direction of Jesus and then gave them a little nudge maybe as well? Well, today, I want to introduce kind of this new approach 
that we are going to get rid of the membership language and we're going to talk about the way of Jesus at Trinity. Are we still Anglican? Yes. Is the bishop still coming on February 11th? Yes, please be here. Uh, Are we still going to do things like baptism and confirmation? Yes, but we are changing our approach. For those of you who are new to Trinity, whether it's you've been here a month or you've been here two years, we don't want to invite you to become members. And we aren't going to force you to become Anglicans. Instead, we want to invite you to do three things. We want to invite you to follow the way, to practice the way, and live the way. So, following the way of Jesus. Just like Jesus invited people to follow him, we want to invite you to follow him. And just like Jesus offered people a way of life, we want to invite you to follow the way of Jesus with us here at Trinity Streets. But whether you are really close to Jesus or whether you're really far and this is a brand new idea, you are invited to follow. Whether you're a church person or not a church person, you're invited to follow. And for us here at Trinity, we've already kind of figured out what following Jesus looks like. It, for us, it means loving Jesus, spending time with Jesus, maybe developing a relationship with him. That's how we follow. It means learning from Jesus, which is about studying the scriptures, maybe on our own, but maybe also in, in groups. It's about living like Jesus. It's about modeling our spiritual life after Jesus' own spiritual life. And it's about leading others to Jesus, which means sharing the love of God with others in your everyday life. So if you're here and if you're new, if you're from another church uh, and you're used to things like membership classes, instead, we just want to invite you. Let's follow the way of Jesus together by loving him, learning from him, living like him and leading others to him. Or like I said, maybe you've got no church background and you just want to turn your heart in this direction then we want you to follow with us too. There's no dividing line. It's my hope that actually every few months we're going to be inviting people up onto this platform, onto the stage, and welcoming them, not into membership, welcoming them not into Anglicanism, but welcoming people who have said, yes, I want to orient my life in the way of Jesus and follow him with you here at Trinity. And so I want to share just a couple of dates with you. A couple of dates with you. Um, in the last two years, if you're new, we want to invite you to uh, discover more about how to follow Jesus. Uh, we're going to have a, a little class we're going to run on February 7th at 7 p.m. where you can discover more about the way of Jesus, loving Jesus, learning from him, living like him, and leading others to him. And then on February 18th, we're going to have our very first, hopefully the first of many, many celebrations where we welcome those who are joining the way of Jesus with us here at Trinity. And uh, especially because it's the first time we're doing it, we want to invite those, again, who are new to Trinity in the last couple years. You can register for both these events on our event page. And I want to say, you don't need to attend the Discovery uh, Workshop in order to participate in the celebration on February 18th. But we would like you to register for the 18th for sure. Uh, and I would recommend coming out on the 7th if you can to learn more and talk more about following the way of Jesus here at Trinity. That's the first thing. The second thing I wanted to say is that we're also going to be kicking off in 2024 the first of our classes that we're going to be calling Practicing the Way of Jesus. Uh, just so you know, a spiritual practice is uh, some kind of exercise 
a spiritual exercise that forms our thoughts and our actions in the way of Jesus. Uh, some, some examples of, of spiritual uh, practices, things like Sabbath and prayer and uh, reading scripture and fasting and solitude and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we want to, throughout the years ahead, really drill down deep onto some of these practices because we want to live like Jesus. And Jesus did these kind of things. So on that note, we're going to be holding our first four-week course on our first practice happening this Lent. It's going to be beginning on February 21st and running to March 13th, and it's going to be a beautiful four-week course on the topic of Sabbath. In our era of chronic exhaustion and emotional unhealth and spiritual stagnation, few things are more necessary than a recovery of this ancient practice of Sabbath. So you can also register for that on our events page. You're going to hear more about that in the weeks ahead. And finally, I'm not going to say too much about this now, but coming in the spring and the summer of 2024, we are going to create an intentional community here at Trinity where people who feel called to live this way of Jesus with the support of others, with two or three others who can pray with you and encourage you, there's going to be this exciting partnership uh, that we're going to be talking about in the weeks ahead. I won't say more about it now, but if you put them all together, what do you got? We're going to talk about following the way of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus, and living the way of Jesus. It's all a new way of doing things for a new year at Trinity. So I'm going to take a chance. This week, I'm going to send out a new email. And uh, I'm going to invite you in 2024, especially those of you who are here new in the last two years, to follow the way with us, practice the way with us, and to live the way of Jesus with us here at Trinity. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you're invited and you're included as we orient our lives around this amazing Jesus and we move in his direction. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that whether you are far or near to Jesus, that you find yourself encouraged to orient and direct yourself toward Jesus to be the center of your life. Happy New Year's, everyone. And we'll see you in 2024. Today's sermon was taken from the December 31st, 2023 sermon at Trinity Church Streetsville in Mississauga, Ontario.